This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is the one and only J.K. Simmons, Academy Award-winning actor and 1978 graduate of the University of Montana. J.K. was recently in Missoula to film The Woods, a thriller in which he stars, co-written and produced by his wife, Michelle Schumacher. I've been fortunate enough in my career to have different people perceive me in different ways or, or, or be open-minded enough to cast me in different ways as a good guy, bad guy, you know, drama, comedy, classical theater, modern, you know, whatever. J.K.'s list of television and film credits is long and distinguished. And perhaps not surprisingly, he currently has two films out in theaters, Being the Ricardos and National Champions. I wasn't able to connect with J.K. during his time in Missoula, but he graciously freed up some time to chat on the phone. J.K. Simmons, thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Well, where I grew up is kind of a long answer because I was born in uh, in Detroit. Uh, and uh, my, my dad uh, was a public school general music teacher there at Parcells Junior High School. My mom at that point was a, a traditional stay-at-home mom with... Uh, ultimately three of us, my older sister, Elizabeth, my younger brother, David, both of them proud alumni of the University of Montana. And then when I was 10, our dad got a, an offer to go uh, join the faculty at the Ohio State University and uh, spent my junior high and high school years there uh, going to Ohio State football games and, uh, you know, doing what knucklehead junior high and high school kids did in the late 60s and early 70s. And then my dad got the job at the University of Montana to be, uh, to be in charge, to run the, uh, the music at that time, the Department of Music. They're now the School of Music. And my parents and little brother moved out to Montana. My sister and I, I was 17 at the time and, and off in college a year early. My sister and I thought of ourselves as independent grown-ups and uh when we went to visit uh uh our parents and, and little brother in missoula eight or nine months later both of us uh quickly realized that the university of montana was a pretty great place the missoula valley was a pretty great place and uh and we both ended up transferring and uh, uh went back to ohio and threw all of uh my stuff in a u-haul including the baby grand piano that uh, we'd inherited from my mother's parents and uh and moved out to missoula montana so uh although i'm not i can't justify wearing the uh montana you know sweatshirt with the roots i i do wear it anyway because uh even though i didn't start there i i do feel like uh like i put down roots there in my time at the university and and uh, up in Big Fork at the Big Fork Summer Playhouse. I love it. Uh, and I want to hear some more about your parents. They were described as parents of the cultural community here in Missoula, just beloved members of the of the culture and the community here. Just talk briefly about y- your parents and some of your memories of them. Yeah, uh, our, our parents, uh, well, obviously, my sister and my brother and myself, or maybe not obviously, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. uh, love our parents fully and part of what we began to appreciate 
about our parents that, that, you know, looking back on, we appreciated it even when we were growing up, uh, but certainly more so as, as we became adults and, and parts of different communities was, uh, was how devoted our parents were to their community, to everyone around them. And that included uh, being politically involved and included being involved in, in all kinds of, whether as, as participants or, or uh, observers and fans in uh, uh, of the sports teams at the University of Montana, certainly of the uh, the cultural uh, every aspect of, of the, the artistic and, and cultural life uh, in Missoula and Western Montana in general. My mom worked uh, for several years for the Montana Arts Council. Uh, our dad, of course, was on the faculty uh, in the music department at the university, and uh, they continued after their retirements, maybe even more so as, uh, as real uh, uh, focal points and leaders in the, in the, the cultural uh, life of, of specifically the university, but, uh, but uh, you know, the, the town in general and, uh, you know, the, the children's theater and the you know, Montana dance and their tentacles reached far and wide into a variety of uh, charitable organizations, cultural organizations, and uh, and their legacy is uh, is as as many I, I'm guessing of your listeners will know their their legacy is uh, is powerful and uh, and long lasting and my brother and sister and I are uh, are very grateful for every aspect of that. And you were back in town recently for a couple stints of filming for an upcoming film, The Woods, uh, co-written and directed by your wife, Michelle. Talk about the choice to uh, do a project in, in Missoula. Yeah, well, that was an interesting decision-making process. Ultimately, my wife, Michelle Schumacher, who, when we met 30 years ago, <laughs> we were theater actors together doing a Broadway tour, and uh, and she's reinvented herself a few times uh, during the course of our relationship and for the last decade or so has been a, a filmmaker. She and uh, and her writing partner, uh, Carolyn Carpenter, had come up with this idea for this movie called The Woods, which is sort of on its face, kind of a thriller, you know, scary bad guy stalking a, a, a teenage girl through the woods. But at its heart is really a, a story about about family and, and the, the power of love set, obviously, largely in the woods and set in a in a deliberately unspecific uh, location of, you know, presumably the United States. And as we talked about uh, with uh, my wife's brother, who is also uh, the producer of her films, Randall Schumacher, as we talked about where to shoot the movie, one of the things that, of course, uh, in movie making is is important is where can you shoot it and get the most for your money. Sure. And that includes where do you have tax incentives and, you know, lots of films now are being shot in Georgia or in New Orleans or in Canada or here or there because we have a home in New York. My wife was thinking, you know, upstate New York would be a you know, there's certainly plenty of woods up there and, and sort of small to medium-sized towns there where everything else would be uh, available. For a while, that was kind of the leading contender. And then we were talking about our almost without fail annual visit to uh, to Montana, Western Montana in in the summer that my family has done, obviously, while our parents were alive. But, uh, but since then, too, we, uh, you know, uh, my wife and kids love uh, going up there just to 
spend time and vacation and see friends in Missoula and go up to the lake and do all of those lake things. And, uh, and, and the more I thought about it, uh, you know, she was like, well, how are we going to have enough time for a vacation in Montana if I'm, you know, in pre-production for this movie and then shooting this movie? And I said, here's an idea. <laughs> what if we shoot the movie in Montana? And, uh, and at the time we didn't know if, if it would uh, make the most sense to shoot it in, uh, in Missoula or, you know, up in the flathead. Uh, but, but the idea of shooting in Montana was kind of born there. And, and Randall did the homework with the, uh, you know, the Montana film office. And, uh, as Michelle and her, uh, uh, location scouts, uh, were looking at where to shoot it, it quickly became clear that, uh, that Missoula was the ideal location because, uh, obviously it's a, it's a big enough city to have the, the infrastructure and the support and, uh, and lots of, uh, local people that, uh, that we could hire. For, for lots of uh, important positions in, in the cast and crew. Sure. And uh, obviously we had uh, uh, strong family connections to Missoula and friends there and, uh, and people that we knew. Yeah, it, it, it quickly snowballed and became uh, the clear choice that, uh, that Missoula, in and around Missoula, was going to be uh, our location. So talk about the role you played by all, by some of the accounts I've seen. It's it's a little darker and a little more more violent than roles you've done before. Uh, what was it like to go um, further into that side of your acting? Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, one of the things that's that's always appealed to me uh, since I fell in love with acting at uh, at the university and and up at the Playhouse in Big Fork was, you know, the opportunities to do different things. And, uh, and I've been fortunate enough in my career, first in theater for 20 years, and now in film and television, to uh, to have different people perceive me in different ways, or or, or be open-minded enough to cast me in different ways. You know, as a good guy, bad guy. You know, drama, comedy, classical theater, modern. You know, whatever. And when Michelle first approached me with this idea, you know, she said, you know, how would you feel about uh, you know playing this? really horrible bad guy whose whose motivations are really unclear for the vast majority of the movie and and then you know even if there is a sort of an inkling of a motivation that you know clearly is not a you know a rational uh justification for anything that he does but i uh, i embraced uh, the idea of uh of uh you know wrapping my brain around that kind of character and uh like one of my first on-camera roles was as the head of the Aryan Brotherhood in in uh, Oz, the prison drama on HBO. Right. You know, I mean, one of the most despicable humans you could imagine. And then, you know, as the years went on, I, I you know, I I had opportunities to play very different kinds of roles to that, and I resisted the opportunities to play roles that were similar to that because I didn't want to get stuck typecast as the scary bad guy or the, or the racist or the prisoner or the, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So this was just another, another opportunity, not only to work with my wife on a, on a very family oriented and family involved film, because both our daughter and our son are also participants in the movie, but it was, a, a, you know, a, as the script was developing, I, I, I began to realize what a, a First of all, what a, what a beautiful script it is overall, and and what a, uh, a rich character it was going to be to, uh, uh, and sort of mysterious character it was going to be to uh, for me to dive into. 
It sounds like the idea of combining uh, work with a family vacation. It might have been a sounds like a pretty intense movie to be filming. I suppose any acting experience is intense in its own ways, but this sounds like really. I don't know if dark is the right word, but heavy content for a, for yeah. a family experience. No, there's definitely a darkness to it. And and the idea of, of any remote vo- uh, vacation aspect of it w- w- quickly was quelled. <laughs> sure. Because especially especially for the writer-director, you know, I mean, she she was every second of her time on the ground in the, in the Missoula Valley was spent work, work, working. And even the way the schedules ended up working out, because I was finishing up a job in Chicago that got slightly delayed, you know, by the time I got to Missoula, other than a quick surprise visit that I made earlier when they were shooting, they had started shooting and hadn't gotten to my scenes yet. But when I did get there to get to work, I, 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 uh, I'm still sending emails of apology to, to local friends in, in Missoula <laughs> saying, boy, I, I would have loved to have gotten together. But by the time I got there, it was just work, work, work. And then the, the day after we wrapped, uh, we had to jump in the minivan and, uh, you know, drive out of town. There was no, no vacation in Montana this year, but there was a, it was a great uh, vocational trip to Montana. We'll be back to my conversation with J.K. Simmons after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. I'm Larry Summers, Harvard President Emeritus and former Treasury Secretary. You're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Academy Award-winning actor J.K. Simmons about his many ties to Montana. So I suppose I know you're a Big fan of the Ohio State football. When you're in town, I suppose you weren't able to catch any Grist games. No, I was going to go, and it turned out I was glad uh, I couldn't. That was scheduled to be my one day off, I think, during my shoot there. But as usually happens on almost any film set, uh, you know, the schedule is adjusted for a variety of reasons. But I was going to be free. I was going to go with old Montana pals to the uh, Sac State game. Mm. And, uh, you know, which at the time we were all thinking, oh, that'll be, yeah, that'll be great. We'll kick their butts. And of course it turned out otherwise, but listen, while you brought up the subject, that brawl in the wild was a pretty fun one to watch from my living room here in California. I'm sure it was. The town is still buzzing (laughs) about that experience. And, um, yeah, I mean, speaking of college football, you have a film out now, National Champions, that kind of goes right at the heart of a lot of the issues in big-time college football money issues, and you play the coach. Talk about this uh, this project. You get right into some big, big issues surrounding college sports. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, I mean, I, I call it a, a college football movie with no football because it really is about the – the current NCAA, uh, specifically in this case, it's at the the national championship for what I still call one A, and I still call you know the yeah, big yeah. guy one double A because I, I because the initials confuse me. You and many other people. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a, a fictional SEC team that I'm the head coach of, and my Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh, on the brink of the national championship game uh, uh, at the at the Superdome in New Orleans. He you know, tweets out that he's not going to play because he sees the whole NCAA uh, setup as unfair and 
thinks that players should be should be paid, should mm-hmm. be compensated, should have pension and health, should have you know all the rights of collective bargaining, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, this is something that's been broached for a while now in NCAA, you know, athletics, specifically football and basketball, the big the big money makers. And obviously, there have been some progress in in that regard from from the student athlete's point of view. But uh, what I loved about this script, in addition to the cast and the director, Rick Waugh, was uh, that it takes such an even-handed look from from a variety of perspectives at uh, the NCAA, big-time college football, and uh, and what a complicated issue it is. And it, and it doesn't try to you know, paint uh, uh, anybody as as the hundred percent good guy or anybody uh, as the hundred percent bad guy. It's a uh, it's a really really. I mean, it it almost plays like a sports movie because because it, it there's so much momentum that that the story builds that it is almost like you're you're watching the team prepare for the big game and and then watching you know the game itself unfold. It's just a it's not an actual game. It's a it's a, a political and interpersonal series of games. You know, I think the fact that we in the United States sort of pair athletics with education is sort of an odd conception. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they're paired. But given that that's where we are, and maybe you had strong thoughts about this before getting involved in this film, but I'm interested in maybe what you learned about how the system moves forward uh, through the experience of making national champions. Well, I think working backwards, you know, deconstructing your question, I mean, really the, the collegiate athletics and the school athletics was was in place before the professional versions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, look at the brawl of the wild and, you know, how long that's been going on. And, and, and uh, so I, I think that what has become professional, you know, billion dollar industries uh, like the NFL and the NBA and you know, and, and, you know, the WNBA and major league baseball and, you know, I mean, uh, all professional sports, but obviously the big money is with, you know, men's football and men's basketball. They have become, you know, basically free minor leagues from the professional perspective. And, and they have become, you know, arguably uh, intercollegiate athletics in general is, can be looked at as a, as a great opportunity for a talented athlete to continue doing what they, you know, presumably love to do, play their sport, and get a free education, and mm-hmm. and you know, I, I think that's obviously the the NCAA and sort of the uh, the the management, you know, point of view. It's like, you know, what are you whining about? You're you're being, especially, you know, at a, a high level, uh, you know, college football program. You know, you those guys get treated pretty well. You know, if you're if you're playing football for the Grizz. You got it pretty good. You get you get nice meals. You, you get a nice place to stay. You get a you know a top tier education, and again, same thing if you're a, you know a, a women's volleyball player or you know whatever it may be. It's a, a, an opportunity, which is true. But it's also true that the vast majority of college football players, specifically, which is what this movie addresses, are not going to go on to be professional athletes. They are having their bodies beat up on the gridiron for four years. Uh, and, and once they're done, they don't have, you know, a pension. They don't have medical insurance. They don't have, uh, you know, a support system in place to, uh, to take care of them. 
Uh, and it's fascinating the way that uh, that the script and and the, and again the director Rick uh, Watt, you know, weave these stories together, and 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 rightly so, I think. Uh, you know the film pro, uh, uh, and I'm making it sound like like it's not fun. It's also a really fun, you know, fun movie with some some comic relief and some and some real kind of adrenaline provoking uh, kinds of sequences. But it it really takes a, a very even handed look from a variety of characters' points of view. And uh, and yeah, it was it was a real uh, a real labor of love and a and a, and a fun thing to uh, to be a part of. And so I don't know if it's by intent or just by the nature of you know the way the schedule goes, but you have another film out in theaters now, being the Ricardos. Got to work with a tremendous cast of Academy, a fellow Academy Award winners, and uh, the writer director Aaron Sorkin. Tell us, uh, tell us about that film. Yeah, and we shot that just immediately before I went into. Uh, um, I think I had you know a few days off, and then and then jumped into. Wow. National champions. But uh, Aaron Sorkin, you know, obviously is, uh, uh, for my money, one of those people that you can legitimately call a genius. That's mm-hmm. a word that gets tossed around a lot. But I, I consider him to be that as a as a writer. And uh, and now this is his third film as a director. When it first was uh, uh, came to me quite a while ago, I was a little leery of it because I've never been a, a fan either as an actor or as an audience of the, the traditional biopic telling somebody's life story and seeing an actor, you know, try to imitate, you know, whoever it might be, a political figure or athlete or entertainer or whatever. But knowing that Aaron's approach to these kinds of things is, is much more um, interesting than, uh, than the traditional one, I uh, signed up and, and uh, uh, despite my trepidation about, you know, is anybody going to believe me as William Frawley? But part of the beauty of it is that we really see the vast majority. I mean, probably 1% of the movie is seeing these, you know, Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz, Vivian Vance, and Bill Frawley. 1% of it is seeing them sort of in character as the characters that everybody even older than me and, and much younger than me have grown up watching in black and white, you know, in reruns on TV. Uh, the vast majority of it is is uh, off camera, backstage, uh, personal life things, and the movie itself really takes place over the course of one week in their lives. When Aaron took a few events that were major events in the lives of, of Lucille and Desi and compressed them into one week, and sort of created this pressure cooker. And as he said at the very first uh, read through of the script this is an interesting beast uh, and people might not know how to take this because we're making a drama about a comedy. Right. And we're making a movie about TV. It's definitely a, a unique film. And, uh, uh, and while it does have, you know, lots of, you know, very funny moments and, and lots of very, uh, 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 you know, sort of more dry comedy than you might expect from a show about uh, Lucy and Desi. Um, it's also just a, a beautifully uh, intelligent, of course, because it's Aaron, but also beautifully uh, heartbreaking and, uh, and, and, and heartwarming uh, story. And so in our remaining time, J.K., I mean, your list of, of credits in film and television, voiceovers, in person, all of it is just so extensive and illustrious. I teach branding and I teach strategy here at the University of Montana College of Business. And I, I, I would love to know how you think about 
what your personal brand is in the industry, and then how you make choices about the things you want to say yes to and the things you won't do. First of all, I apologize uh, because uh, because I don't have a remote head for, uh, uh, or I don't remotely have a head for for business or or branding or or any of that. I, I, all of my good fortune has been, uh, you know, a, a combination of uh, happy accidents and uh, uh, just simply sort of sticking around long enough to uh, to have found the uh, the good fortune that I have sure. uh, but I, I I think if I were to if I were to uh, put my brand into a, a brief phrase I would just say it's uh, being a collaborator and uh, being a guy who's who's always interested in, in being a part of the solution a part of the process a part of the storytelling and uh, and somebody who's not a pain in the neck to work with. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on sort of projects you say no to? Well, generally speaking, I, I, have, I, have, I have no interest in horror films Yeah. Uh, just as an audience or as an actor. And I know a lot of actors do wonderful work in horror films, but it's just, it just does not appeal to me at all. And I kind of feel like network television, you know, traditional sort of, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS kind of, Network television procedural stuff is is something that that you know I had some very fortunate, uh, uh, successful, enjoyable experiences with that. But it feels for me as an actor like something I've kind of been there, done that, and sure. not interested in going back. Uh, yeah, I'm just always interested in in moving forward. And uh, although you don't get opportunities all the time to do something as different as, uh, you know, the woods, for example, or, or being the Ricardos, you know, when those opportunities come along, that's, uh, you know, a big part of the challenge and the joy of doing what I'm fortunate to do for a living is, uh, being able to, uh, to reinvent yourself every time out. And, uh, and that's what I look forward to, to doing. Well, J.K., when you were here to give the commencement address at the University of Montana in 2016, the theme of the talk was Be Here Now. And uh, I appreciate you being here now. Thank you for spending time with us and uh, remaining part of the Montana family. We're happy to have you. Yeah, and I'm happy to be a part of it and uh, will be so for the rest of my days on the planet. And, uh, And thank you for having me. And when can we expect to see the woods out in theaters? Uh, well, that's always a good question for a, a genuine uh, independent film. My wife is uh, currently editing across the hall from me right now, and uh, that process will probably go well into January, maybe February, and then uh, then will be a question of festivals and you know buying agents and this and that. And uh, I would say very optimistically, maybe late spring, and more likely maybe uh, maybe next fall in theaters, including, you know, the, the, the Roxy or the Wilma or, or, you know, something there. And, uh, you know, feels like we ought to have an event in Missoula for, uh, when that movie does get launched. So hopefully we'll be talking about it again several months from now. I look forward to that. JK, best regards to you and your family. Happy holidays and um, good luck with all your work. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, 
a generous gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. AJ Williams is our producer. BTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.